You are listening to the DOCUS podcast, brought to you by the Irish support agency New South Wales, a podcast designed to promote the mental health and well-being of the Irish community in Australia. Each month, we will explore a different aspect of mental health and well-being, guided by the latest evidence and facilitated by an expert in the field. Please support us by liking, subscribing and sharing. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to September's episode of our DOCUS webinar and podcast series. My name is Christine, and I sit on the Mental Health and Wellbeing Working Group of the Irish Support Agency. Before we get started, I would like to acknowledge that I'm hosting this webinar on the lands of the Bidigal and Gadigal people. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of various lands upon which you are all watching. We pay our respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. DOCUS will be brought to you on the first Monday of each month, with each session exploring a different aspect of health and wellbeing. All our previous episodes can be found on the ISA YouTube and Spotify channel. If you have questions throughout our conversation, please feel free to pop them into the chat, but we'll also have some time for questions at the end. Tonight, we are exploring how we can avoid the feeling of overwhelmed by wellbeing. There's so much of it these days. The wellbeing movement has seen a huge surge in its following over the past 15 years, from healthy eating to exercise programs, self-care strategies, the amount of information that has been shared is vast. But how can we distinguish from fads and trends and research and science-backed approaches? We are joined tonight by Roshin Trainer, founder of Mind Yourself, mental health first aid training, wellbeing practitioner, and Alan Earls, project lead at Sydney Safe Space. As we dive into the changes we, that we've occurred in the health and mental health space, and we learn to fa- separate facts from fiction. Um, so welcome guys, welcome Rotin and Alan. Um, I could go on and on about introducing you. Um, you both have yeah, a lot <laughs> behind you both um, fellow Irish people. Um, is there anything you'd like to talk about? Have, maybe in, have a sentence or two to introduce yourselves? Um, yeah, I can jump in. Um, I'm Roisin. I've been living in Sydney for the last eight years. Been involved with ISA most of that time um, as a staff member and then committee member and now volunteer in the Health and Wellbeing Group and I've been um, involved in different ways. Um, also know Alan um, through different um, organisations too but yeah my background is in actually my undergraduate was in nutrition and then my um, postgraduate done master's in health promotion and public health um, so really my career has been really focused on this sort of stuff and um, even I find it so overwhelming to decipher between fact and fiction because there's just so much information out there at the moment, as you said, Christine. So totally can relate to the overwhelm that people are feeling. And Alan, what about yourself? Where are you from? What are you about? Yeah, so um, I've been in Sydney about 18 years, but uh, my background was originally finance but it's only in the last three years um, I've got into the mental health space um, 
but um, predominantly from a lived experience um, background. Um, I've spent the last 20 years in 12-step uh, recovery rooms. And um, for the last three years, I've been working in community mental health and not-for-profits. So um, on this subject, I suppose I am a small bit passionate about it because I come across people every day that um, are struggling uh, with the amount of information that's coming at them and trying to decipher it. And uh, and I see the effects of it as well. So, um, and I'm not immune to it as well either, to be honest. Sometimes sometimes it catches me off guard as well, you know, and it, it um, so, yeah. Um, glad to jump on tonight and uh, um, yeah, and no, I'm rushing. I didn't know she was only here <clears> eight <throat> or almost since she came over, so um, through the health support agency, but yeah, amazing. Yeah, like you open your phone, it's on social media, you walk past something, it's everywhere. Like, we, I, funny enough, I was on the bus home and I should be reading my Kindle, but we all go for a wee social media scroll and there's people doing yoga, there's people curing anxiety, there's everything. So like mental health and wellness has been like a hot topic recently. What changes do you have noticed in the past few years? I'm happy for whoever wants to jump in there first. Um, well, for me, I suppose, so I studied... I graduated in 2012 and like in health promotion, which is really another word, I think, for this industry. It's maybe just more of a boring term. Wellness sounds so much more exciting than health promotion. And whenever I studied it back then, it was just not a hot topic. Like it wasn't exciting and Instagrammable and, you know, people weren't really that interested when I was saying, oh, I'm doing health promotion. I was like, oh telling people to stop smoking is that it or whatever it was um and you know even when I graduated it wasn't like it was you worked in if you if you worked in health and well-being you worked for a health service you worked for a charity you worked for someone who was involved in that um and then all of a sudden I started to sort of observe that you know the influencers that I followed from maybe travel ideas and um fashion and makeup were now sort of moving that this was you know another big trend that people were following which was very very exciting I have to say I was like oh people are interested in this you know it's fantastic um I remember the ISA a couple of most more than a couple of years ago now it's probably like seven or six or seven years ago we set up our health and well-being group and we had to we try to run like wellness events well-being events before this really kicked off and honestly there was like five people we we were trying to do <laughs> um well-being walk and talk sessions where we've got the community together and it was just like what's that like people just didn't get it and now we're just seeing it everywhere like it is the new trend it's what people are interested in it's what people are spending their money in they're blogging about talking about um which is again really exciting but I think then there is also the risks associated with that that it has become commercialized it's become something that people are seeing as an as well it is a huge industry the industry is worth trillions of dollars worldwide um and you know sometimes it can then lead to overwhelm where people are missing the stuff that has been around for 
many, many years, the fundamentals of how to be healthy, people are missing that because they're being sold this shiny aspirational lifestyle that isn't always attainable and you know getting the basics right is boring now you want the the sort of quick fix shiny thing so that's the other risk associated with that yeah i suppose um from what i see and and my biggest concern is the over oversimplification of of mental health and sometimes complex mental health you know mm-hmm. and you get outlandish statements like and i tongue-in-cheek i'd say it like you know will ice bat cure my childhood trauma and stuff like that you know but but there's people out there that genuinely probably believe that um that can can cure trauma but um yeah i think that's the biggest concern um when it comes to mental health it is complex you need um you need a team around you um, and you need to be able to, to ride the ups and the downs. And unfortunately, uh, you don't see the downsides on social media uh, much. You only ever see the upside. So the comparison isn't a true reflection on how that person may be going on a day to day or week to week or hour to hour basis. So um, um, that would be my concern around the, just how they simplify it. Um, and then also, you know, I, I think everything is great, but in moderation and it can't be just in isolation as well. Just try that one thing. You know, I've seen a lot recently of uh, what people are talking about. You know, you just go into your GP and he, he doesn't even listen to you and he just throws medication at you, which may or may not be true. But it's a dangerous thing to throw on social media. Um, some people really, really need that relationship with the GP. They really need medication and uh, and, you know, to simplify it and to cast it off as if okay you don't need that there's a holistic uh, way of, of of dealing with your mental health uh, but sometimes um it's not that simple and um i've seen people um and how it's affected them you know uh, a couple of years ago I was in the q adolescent unit in uh, westmead hospital and uh you know, ninety-five percent of of the of the people that we saw were under eighteen, and they were young girls. And social media was one of the biggest stressors and factors in them self-harming. Um, and last week I was speaking to uh, the Towards Zero Suicide Program manager from uh, RPA, and he said that they've seen a three hundred percent increase since COVID in uh, young people presenting in hospital with self-harm and 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 um and other issues and and that's that's what that's you know i don't think that they at that age they're able to actually decipher what's true and what's not true you know if somebody's got three hundred thousand followers maybe they think that it's true but it's not the case always you know so oh, yeah, um, no. yeah that's, yeah it's scary and then you know we we ran a course we ran a course not so long ago and there was a couple of influences on that course you know, um, I managed to have a bit of a chat with them in their in the breakout time, and like the, some of the stories that they told me were, I felt really, really sorry for them. I had huge empathy for them, I had compassion, but but the constant uh, spotlight on trying to produce content, um, was unbelievable. Like, and and you know, um, I don't want to say where they met, but they met in a mental health facility, um, or, or something similar. And, and you know, it's uh, 
that's where it ends up as well. And and mm. and you know, I'm, I'm I'd be worried about uh, the influencers as well and how they're being supported as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're hundred percent, and I think you're right with saying that. Like we only show the highs, and I think that's what people sometimes get from the social media is, is the highs. Um, it's like if we bake a cake or we go out for dinner, we always put the the beautiful platter of food up on our social media, and next thing everyone thinks, oh, they're amazing. They get us food. Did we post our dinner that we had? A half an hour ago no we didn't because it didn't look <laughs> appealing and a lot of work went into it and you're looking for the quick fixes and that but yeah there's a lot of hard work and there's lots of ups and downs with that um Roshim, would you think anything like i suppose it being such a hot topic a buzzword like what would you be concerned about when it's all all up there i think what alan said there really hit the nail on the head about this like um really simplistic view that like lived people sharing their lived experience and and Alan is someone who shares his lived experience in a really safe and helpful you know productive way with guidelines and structure and support and training I think whenever people have gone through something and they have come out the other side that it's a really nice quality that they want to then help other people um, who are going through something similar and people really connect to that um, you know peer-based health interventions are incredibly effective in our line of work you know hearing it from someone who has gone through something similar who they can relate to and and especially with influencers who are quite aspirational then that's going to be really really helpful and there's been really successful campaigns where influencers have used their influence to make positive behavior change and educate people on scientific approaches to health. But my fear is that when people are doing it alone, without any sort of training, without an attachment to an organization that's protecting both parties, you know, the, the person themselves who's sharing their stories and the people who are hearing it, sometimes people can get a little bit lost in that and their story which is relevant to them, might not be exactly the same as everyone else's. Someone who's experienced, you know, mild to moderate anxiety saying how they found this morning routine, this activity like an ice bath or whatever it might be, cured them of their anxiety. Yes, that might have been able to. But if you look at someone on the other side of that sort of continuum who is not able to you know work can't get out of bed in the morning because their depression is so bad they're not able to sleep they're not really you know able to do a lot of things to say that oh you know an ice bath or you know this morning routine is going to help you with that it's it's not going to be as effective and for that for those kind of people that is really important that they go to their doctor and that might involve going to you know them for a long time getting medication they may require antidepressants may require all their medication because their experience is not going to be exactly the same as the person they're seeing on instagram and i think it's really important that people understand that and i think those kind of stories we're seeing on instagram where people are saying you know don't go to your doctor this is what you're going to get that's where i'm really really concerned and the dangers of that because there's no accountability you know, a doctor is really restricted on what information they give and what advice and the health system is definitely flawed and there is 
training required within the health system absolutely and we want to see that change and looking at lifestyle factors before going to medications but whenever somebody is just going to the social media and just going there for information and they have a clinical illness which requires medication to basically keep them alive then that's what's really bleeding into that dangerous territory for individuals it's also it's also putting everything on the individual it's like if you're sick it's because you're not self-care and you're not getting up early enough you're not watching the sunrise you're not (laughs) active enough you're not getting the right shake and it's missing the point that you know people can be doing all the right things you know it's not on them like this is an illness we don't blame people for being you know diagnosed with cancer or diagnosed with another illness but I feel like sometimes there is this sort of guilt now for people who do need to go and speak to their GP and get medication that maybe it's like am I a bit lazy am I not doing all the wellness things that seem to be working for everyone else but the people you know taking their medications you know nobody's Instagramming going into their doctor or sitting in their psychologist's office because that's not pretty that's not Instagrammable so people are sort of missing you know the other side the other range of interventions which are really cornerstone before people are able to get up in the morning and go and see the sunrise and do the ice baths which again big fan of I think they're amazing they're really really good not to criticize them I think the social connection people can get from those the healthy routine is fantastic but it's not the be all and end all yeah 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 and I agree yeah totally like it's them ice baths and sunrises and all that they're all sold but like it's again maybe it's a routine that's working for someone or maybe yeah they are taking their they're getting up at five to have a good breakfast and have their medication and then they go to the sunrise you're not seeing every part of it um but yeah and I suppose those sunrises those ice baths and everything they're put on social media why do you think everyone these days is just going to social media instead of seeking the health professionals and like I think we all are guilty of it now and then even if we're looking up a recipe or anything like that but a lot of people are seeking mental health and wellness on social media instead of the health professionals why do you think that is? Anne have we let you lead this one I'll jump in at the end. Yeah um, I think it's I know it's very hard to say exactly like I think like what Roshin was saying, uh, mental health, we need to understand individual differences. Uh, you know, just because something works for me, uh, whether it's medically or whether it's uh, holistically, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for the next person. You know, and um, and if it doesn't work for me, if I don't get anything out of the ice baths or if I don't get anything out of my medication, it's nearly like there's a shame on myself. So mm-hmm. then, you know, um, people look elsewhere you know um and there's an awful lot of stuff out there that is like far left field like i've listened to a couple of stories in the last few months that involved yeah i couldn't i wouldn't even want to say it in a webinar you know but it's uh, <laughs> and, and my worry is and it's happened with it's it's happened with other um groups like um you know there was a I'll even name a group. There's Tomorrow Man is a group that goes into schools and there was big uproar when they went down to Batemans Bay there one time and they, you know, um, 
they got the all the boys to apologize for um you know men's behavior and got them to paint their nails and they had to step up to a line and 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 apologize for being a male and and seemingly like what happened was they came in they did all this which some of this can be great work but there's no follow-up afterwards they just fly out of town and then the school and the community is left to look after it and I think sometimes when people are going to these retreats and they're going to all these great things, which can be great, but my worry is what's the follow-up? Because you're bringing stuff up to the surface sometimes. You're having conversations that are can really be activating. And then you go back to your normal life and it's like, you know, it's kind of like a snow globe that's been shook. And you just, you don't know how long it's going to take before you can actually see the picture again. And I, and I feel that that's where I worry about this stuff, that it's unregulated around that. And, um, but social media can sell um, um, a great retreat. They can sell it with pictures. They can sell it with testimonials. But do they sell the aftermath as well? Sometimes we don't hear those stories when people have gone back. And I, I, I a few years ago, a friend of mine did ayahuasca. And, uh, you know, he's never been the same since. Never been the same since, you know. And, and mm. you know, it's. That those kind of things, it's very unregulated at the moment in this country. So that's why I would always kind of seek out professional help. Even if you're going to do it, run it by your doctor or run it by your psychologist or phone up one of the, the helplines or whatever and just run it by somebody, you know, um, because the person that's selling you that is not the person to be asking those questions of, you know, because uh, they have a they have a beneficial uh, outcome for you going there. So, um yeah, so I suppose that's kind of where, um, yeah, what I would be saying is seek qualified help, even if you're going to do some of this holistic stuff, because some of it can be great. I've done stuff over the years as well, you know, and uh, it has been beneficial, but it's it's part of, um, I don't go all in on one thing. It needs to be part a part of a of a a a, a, a bigger plan to stay yeah. to stay in recovery and just stay well and just to keep my yeah so yeah perfect Rushing of you yeah I think um I can definitely relate to why people might veer towards social media and I as I kind of mentioned earlier like I'm a big advocate of trusting professionals and you know going to the, them and as Alan said in combination you know do the other stuff but run it past your health professional mm -hmm. first you know things like an ice bath that's really low risk it's not probably going to cause harm to most people so there's no harm in doing it you are getting all the benefits I know there's definitely some indications and research to show that it can be really helpful um but as you said getting up getting out of bed maybe not drinking the night before because you have an ice bath in the morning all the social benefits are going to be really really impactful but I think why people maybe have a little bit of mistrust in going to their health professionals is and this isn't on individual doctors or anything it's the whole system I think is flawed but especially in Ireland I know what it's like trying my, for my family trying to get in to see their doctor they don't want to see them it's telehealth and you have to get past the receptionist who might be your neighbor down the road in my case our next door neighbors the health receptionist right. you're not going to go into story to her about how depressed you are you know it's all these barriers for people getting in even to get to see their doctor it's expensive it's um it's 
you know, rushed. You have a few minutes in with the doctor. There's no time to build a rapport. And it's not like pretty. It's not aesthetic. It's, you know, and it's it's also doctors are very highly regulated. So they're not going to give false promises. They're going to say, you know, if you go to the psychologist, you know, it's recommended that someone has 16 sessions of CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, to get the full benefits. That is not a quick fix. People want a quick fix, you know, but then you have someone on influ an influencer who's not regulated by what they say, and they can say massive statements like, you know, ice baths have been shown to unlock trauma. Like, is that true? And who's going to hold them accountable to that? If it's not, and it's like a quick fix. Okay, I need to do this. I'll do this morning routine. I'll buy this product, whatever it might be. And people are obviously going to go, well, I'm going to go and sit in my doctor that I can't relate to. He's, you know, sticking to all these rules. He's telling me that if I do this, there's a 50% chance that I'll feel better in 10 weeks time versus someone that's like, oh, here's a product. And, you know, it's going to do X, Y, Z. And no one's following up with them to see, does it actually happen? Um, so what are you going to, what are you going to turn to? And, you know, as someone that's been trained in, um and you know health and health promotion I was always told like you know my opinion doesn't matter it's what does the research show what are the guidelines so I'm not really saying I think this is good or I like this it's very much like this is you know the guidelines for this whereas someone who can talk about their own experiences of it and say this is how I dealt with this that's more relatable and people are going to consume that information it's easier to consume than some sort of scientific boring study that's given you the realistic percentages of that working. So I can see why people are drawn towards social media. So I think social media has huge potential and I think influencers have huge potential to help elicit behavior change, but it's just making sure that there is some structure around that. So it's done in a safe way so that's what I that's what I'd like to see as I come of this. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I was just thinking there. I was laughing. I was like, it's just it's also just the how quick you can get on social media. Like there, you're jumping on. Like you get on the bus, you're there, or you go on it at two a.m. because you can't sleep, and then you're down a rabbit hole, and you're nearly you oh. book the flights to Bali, and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to be so zen after this because such and such done it and they're looking amazing afterwards and they're so so happy but you know there's also a bit of like not tough work but yeah like getting to the doctors you have to book the appointment and all that like but it, it does you know work out and like what alan says as well like the follow-ups like there a few weeks ago i got a blood test um they're not just going to do the blood test not tell me about it they're going to make sure they book a follow-up appointment with me and if there's anything that needs to be done then they might have another follow-up again a few months down the track to make sure what interventions they put in then is working. Whereas, yeah, you, you, you go onto um, social media, click, 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 instant like satisfaction. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. How would you be like able to distinguish between, I suppose, the fads, the trends and the science-backed approaches? I know we've kind of touched on it there, but like, the ice baths, yeah, like a lot of people are like, yeah, this is this is proven. How how are we meant to know what's proven, what's not? 
And it's so hard because people can find a study on anything. If I wanted to say that, you know, this cup of tea was, you know, improving my whatever it was, I could probably find a study on it somewhere. Because I know, because when I was doing my my dissertation, I was finding stuff to agree with my <laughs> argument. And you can do it. Um, so it is really hard. And I think that's confusing for people because they'll hear something. Oh, there was a study on that. But there's a big difference on being one study and something that has been like, you know, there's been multiple, multi, multiple studies on it. It's been able to be repeated in different populations of different age groups. They've controlled for numerous variables. So not all studies are equal. OK, that's the basics of it. Um, sometimes it is, you know, you can say a study and it's five people in it just talking about their experiences, having control for any variables or anything like that. Sometimes studies are funded by, you know, tobacco industry have funded studies which show that tobacco doesn't cause cancer. Like there's so many like nuances within it. So it, I can totally get why it's completely overwhelming for individuals. And I'm not ex expecting everyone to go and look up the research study on absolutely everything. But what I would suggest is that, you know, find what you look for. And if it's through social media and that's accessible to you and that's what's going to engage people, amazing. But then do your fact check on that. So, you know, go to your health professional. Even just look on websites like, um, you know, health websites. So for me, if I'm going on a website that's telling me that this thing is you know, a scientific study and it's going to do X, Y, Z. And then it has all these affiliated links and adverts popping up from the side, things like that. That for me is a little bit sus. If I'm seeing on a website where nobody's making money from me being on there and reading it. So if it's a, a charity like Beyond Blue or something like the Black Dog Institute, if it's a university, if it's the gov, like .gov.au, all those things, I'm kind of feeling more reassured that this is actually reliable. But if somebody is trying to get you to spend your money to read, like trying to get you to purchase something in the process, that for me is a bit of a, a sort of warning sign that something might not be right there. But even like, even experts can get it wrong. Like, so recently, I don't know if you know Amber or Andrew Huberman, you know, the Huberman Lab podcast. Like, yes. he is a Stanford researcher, and I like loved his approach because his podcasts are so long, but he gets like experts. And, you know, he, to me, I've like placed a lot of value on his opinion. If he says something's good, I'm like, oh, that's good. You know, he's an influencer, but he's well qualified. He's made statements that are not even backed by science that could be incredibly harmful because he has so much weight in his opinion. There was an example where he made a statement about he heard from somebody that sunscreen could um, bleed into your brain and cross the blood brain barrier and it was shown that it was causing issues in the brain. Nobody has been able to find a study to back that claim, including Andrew. Like, and him, someone with that influence saying something like that, what's that going to do to people using sunscreen, which has been known to save lives? And you have someone like him making the statement, like that's really, really dangerous. So mm. I think I can empathize with people who are really struggling because it's hard. It's really, really hard to find that fact from fiction. Yeah, yeah. 
Alan, any inputs there? I think it just shines a light on how uh, um, how lonely people can be at times, you know, mm. and um, how unhappy or um, they're seeking something outside of themselves, you know, and unfortunately, you know, you go to a GP, they're not going to validate your feelings most of the time, you know, but, um, you know, yeah, yeah fill in an inquiry box online and all of a sudden they're texting you on uh, Messenger or DMing you and, and you know, they're validating your feelings. So I can understand why people go down and, and do a lot of this stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think it's just, uh, it just tells you how, how, how disconnected we are, you know, and uh, a lot of the time we're just, with social media, it's encouraging, encouraging us to, uh, um away from face-to-face real life connections though um which probably is what everyone really wants but it's just it's it's yeah um social media is so addictive i know it is i i can tell you how many times i've downloaded tiktok and then can and then got rid of it and then downloaded <laughs> and got rid of it it's just like it it does me in every time it's like it knows my brain and all of a sudden i'm down a rabbit hole you know so um those kind of things are scary i suppose but um and but as roshin said i'm definitely looking for evidence-based uh you know programs and there's lots of programs out there that are evidence-based you know and um and and constantly go through reviews and 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 you know um to evaluate it as well to make sure that that they're actually uh staying up to date you know i know for you know, Roses in the Oceans is one of uh, the charities that uh, is auspicious as us, you know, and uh, and recently all the older programs, they've gone through an evaluation to see if they're actually uh, up to date. And it's only three years ago that they did some of these programs, but mm-hmm. that's how fast it's, uh, it's, it's changing, you know. Um, where I work at the moment, uh, I lived there three years ago in a homeless men's shelter and um, just some of the stuff that they've changed in there is like, it's, it's yeah, it's so different. And that's all because they're following evidence-based, whereas before it was stick 25 guys in a room and everything's going to be okay. Some of them are using, yeah. some of them aren't, you know, and now it's like everyone gets their own room. Everyone has, you know, independence. They're promoting all this um, healthy eating and all that kind of stuff whereas before it was just like fill them with food because they're in crisis you know um yeah so it's times are changing and sometimes you know but uh yeah we definitely need to um read between the lines and and wonder what what's in it for them you know Mm -hmm. the person that's selling us that you know sometimes um yeah yeah i suppose yeah you're right and reading between the lines sometimes can be hard and that's when we miss them red flags. What would be, I think, red flags reminds you of Love Island. <laughs> what are them red flags that you feel that you're just like need to stay away from on social media because we all we all look at them and we're all like attracted by shiny things. What would be what do you think there? Um, I was gonna go through my Love Island red flags. No, I... <laughs> Oh yeah. Go on, Alan. Yeah. Go on ahead. Um, no, no, I was just 
thinking I, I would love to see I'd love to see um these influencers because they can they can be good at times but like I, I I downloaded TikTok over the weekend and there was this Irish girl back home but she started it off by saying I'm not a therapist and I kind of felt that that was already I felt trust in her you mm-hmm. know um but she hasn't already or always started off like that so maybe you know the social media companies have a, a bigger role to play in this as well because um why are people getting so many account followers and stuff and uh I'd love to see qualifications listed as well that would <laughs> that would be my thing you know because I think sometimes uh I know when I first started struggling um probably about nine ten years ago uh first I got recommended a therapist and I went and I saw him for a while and uh and you know um I I think it didn't work for me, but like then I kept going to other different ones. And I believe, and this is just my opinion, the only one I actually hit somebody that actually had a degree or had postgraduate studies in uh, counseling and psychology that I actually got a, the benefit. Um, previous, there was guys doing certificate for drug and alcohol and diploma in counseling. And I've just, uh, yeah, it was just scary. Some of the stuff that they were telling me, you know, um, so I would say seek qualified people definitely and don't be afraid to ask what qualifications they have, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um and if they don't want to tell you, that's a red flag for sure. <laughs> Alan, when you said that about like social media responsibility as well, it made me think about, you know, during the pandemic, if someone talked about if they said the word COVID, there was like a banner automatically mm. added to the screen to be like yeah. where to get information. I think I'd love to see something like that when it comes to people talking about mental health because mental health is a term that's just flown around and it is serious because people were dying from the pandemic due to misinformation and and this is just as serious you know suicide is the leading cause of death in young adults in this country and you know it shouldn't be something that people are just like throwing around willy-nilly this is the trend I'm going to pick up now because people want to find out more about this like there should be um there should be like guidelines and safety around this from the social media companies I think they have a massive responsibility um so definitely I think that's a red flag people given advice beyond their level of qualifications you can talk about your experience absolutely but even red flags for me is how people share it like Alan is someone who has lived experience of, you know, mental illness. He knows, and and I've met Alan many times outside of this and know exactly how he operates and heard his story many times. He knows how to deliver that story safely. He has done training. You know, he's not a mental health professional, but he's actually done appropriate training around safe use of language, how much is appropriate to share what is not appropriate so if I hear people going in talking about medications stuff like that I'm I'm automatically getting a bit concerned because even if they're promoting medications I think reducing stigma is important but different people will require different medications that is a very individual conversation between a health professional and we're seeing it even now beyond mental health I'm seeing it you know woman's health reproductive health like all that stuff is really good to see more people talking about that. But again, individuals have different needs and different requirements on that. Um, for me, a big red flag is just this sort of like, um, 
this language around you know people are on one extreme or the other they're really into like the science and dismissing anything that's not or people that are into the holistic stuff and dismissing anything that's like you know western medicine or any like health prof professionals so like I'm, you know, I'm trained in like medicine or not, sorry, I'm not trained in medicine. I'm trained in that sort of like, um, you know, Western medicine views of health and everything like that. But I still like, I don't like when people totally dismiss the traditional holistic stuff either. Cause for me, that's a really important part of my self-care. And I think there is so much we can take from that, you know, but it's, whenever you're seeing people that are so polarizing like it's one or the other that for me is a red flag because you can't say that every health professional is going to dismiss you there's so many health professionals out there you know I do all the wellness stuff the woo woo I'm a big fan of it too even if there's no science behind it as long as it feels good and doesn't make me feel bad um, I'm up for that but I will also go to the health professionals when I need to so when that's not enough Whenever my anxiety is so bad that I can't sleep at night, I'm going to go to the health professionals because I'm not able to do the other stuff without that. So I think for me, it's people that have a balanced view that are not making overgeneralizing statements that like everybody needs this and don't do that, do this instead. Um, and yes, yeah, speaking above their sort of qualifications and yet people sharing their, their stories, so impactful. But there's certain words and language and like details. When I hear that, I'm thinking that could be incredibly traumatizing. And I know that's such a buzzword triggering, but it actually could be triggering for people who are feeling suicidal. And often there's no lead into that. You know, sometimes it does come up in events and podcasts and webinars, you know, talking about that. But if it's done in a safe way, people are going to know what's coming up. There will be sort of a, a safety um, stage before that to make sure people know what they're going to hear. But sometimes I'm on social media and it's just like, bam, in your face. And I'm like, where did that come out of? I, I wasn't expecting that conversation to go that way. And there's no follow up. No, like this is a number for Lifeline. This is a number for something. People are just left there, probably in their beds at two o'clock in the morning, like most of us are when we can't sleep on social media and there's no follow-up support and that for me is really concerning yeah well all I can think is now do you know like that social media like these are just one bit like yeah there was that COVID little sticker even if you're scrolling through I don't know Facebook social media anything like that and someone has cut themselves and it's like um, there's gonna be images of blood mm. it's a whole blurred screen first yeah and then, Joe, it's up to your discretion, Joe, whether you watch that or not. But like, yeah, like, as you said, there's all of those things on like stories or TikToks, like you're just gone, gone, gone. And it's just right in your face. There's no, there's no pre-warning and there's no, yeah, there's that, none of that checkup. Um, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I know. And it is everywhere like that. Like, okay, if I want to find out information on this, like the blurred screen click into it. Um, and another thing that I don't know if I've really stepped back from social media for this reason because I'm working in this area and I think for me sometimes I see just too much so even you know with mind yourself you know I, I'm very careful about what I post because I think I don't want to add to that overwhelm and confuse people even more um, but yeah another thing for me that you've probably noticed as well is that sort of trauma talk um you know where everything's trauma 
And I think people, you know, they're listening to podcasts or hearing this information about like how we all have trauma. And yes, you know, something might have happened in our childhood, which could be traumatic for certain people. But I think then it can diminish, you know, people that have gone through complex trauma, you know, that have gone through incredibly hard experiences. And if they're hearing someone say, you know, I didn't get picked last in my football team at school and someone else is, you know, a refugee who's fled a war-torn country. And I, d- I just worry that it sometimes might diminish that experience and the people that really need help might not be heard. Um, and the other sort of language, like the, you know, everybody's a narcissist and, you know, you need to cancel people out of your lives mm. and all this here, Jazz, like, oh, they're toxic, you know, cut, cut out your friends, are all toxic narcissists. And like, people do that then they have no friends like what's you know nobody's perfect we're not perfect we don't need people to cut us out of their life because we make a mistake like I just think these big sweeping statements like you know my psychologist has never told me to do that that's not <laughs> ever been like they're toxic get rid of them quit your job it's toxic your boss like all this like that's that's great to say but who's there picking up the pieces when that person's no friend who's paying your rent <laughs> yeah who's paying the rent exactly oh god yeah so I suppose there's a lot um if you were to kind of wrap up a bit what would you say like mental health wellness looks to you how do you identify them words tricky one I know so Alan yours might be different for me um how's it look for me I I am a believer in routine and discipline as well so like absolutely if if People every morning they go up and see the sunrise and do all that stuff. Absolutely. My, uh, but I have a morning routine and I have a nighttime routine, and equally as important, you know. So, um, and I'll be honest, uh, everything can go pear shaped in the middle of the day. But if I can stick to the nighttime routine and the morning routine, I can get perspective most of the time, you know. Um, I know I'm having a bad day if I come home and, and my bed isn't made you know and um, that I've got up in the morning and uh, maybe I had a, a bad night's sleep or something was um I had an idea about going to work or something but um yeah so for me it's yeah, definitely routine and discipline I operate better like that um yeah so um the other thing I suppose would be you know I do have regular can't have stuff coming up all the whole time but I do have regular counselling and um, sometimes it can be four weeks and sometimes six weeks apart. So it's important to, I need, I need sounding basis to to bounce stuff off. I've got two really good mates that I can um, bounce stuff off as well. So um, I don't bounce it off everybody. Um, and I ask for honest feedback. Like I want them to play a straight bat. Friends that tell me everything's okay or that, of course you're right because that's the last thing I need to hear you know um so I'm very lucky with that I've got a couple of good friends like that but uh I did have those people before that were you know um I was doing yeah I was traveling really bad and they would like say don't worry you're fine everyone else is wrong but you know um um you know when you end up in rehab and nobody comes to visit you you kind of say to yourself maybe I need to have a look at myself you know so um so yeah so now I make sure I invest time in my friends as well, mm. um that actually support me instead of just trying to invest time in uh, 
things that might um peripherally look good but actually don't fill fill that cup that I need to fill which isn't you know um so yeah but that yeah so I keep it simple enough really amazing I like that I love, love the routine yeah that that's me as well if there's no routine good luck to you <laughs> if I don't have breakfast by eight o'clock no one's going to have a nice day because <laughs> I know that's me <laughs> that's my routine um what about you Rashin? yeah um, yeah, mine's is, I think for me, self-care, well-being, health, everything is just balance. You know, I do think that we can't have, you know, if we have six good days a week and one bad day, then we're doing pretty good. You know, there's going to be ups and downs. And I think having unrealistic expectations that every day is going to be perfect is just setting us up for failure. Because life is full of ups and downs and um, some we can you know journal about process and for me that's a really important part of my day is like you know exercise is really important um journaling like meditation I'm not great with but I too, do try to bring it in now and again yeah I get enough sleep it's really important for me I'm quite like I'd be in bed at like half nine and I need a minimum of eight hours sleep. Sometimes I think I need nine hours sleep. Like I'm like more than average. Um, so all those things. And, and, you know, I do like to try new things. I love a yoga class. Um, I love, you know, anything that sort of makes me feel nice in the moment. Um, always find that helpful. But again, sometimes that's not enough. And, so, and you know, I do have a really good psychologist um, who, you know, it's not pretty. It's not someone just, you know, telling me everything's going to be fine and everyone else is wrong. Like Alan says, like, they hold you accountable that sometimes it's you that needs to change, that you're not right in that situation. Um, and, you know, has those clear boundaries of expectations as well. So I have that balance. I have the stuff that I can do for myself, which fills up my cup makes me feel good friends are a big part of that as well my dog is a big part of that too um but then I also like trust that there's health professionals there that do want you know the best for me that can help me with the stuff that that's not um working with and you know what sometimes I had to try around a few psychologists to get someone that fitted you know it is a bit like dating you know it might not be you know, you might go in your first session and go, not, not for me, didn't work, that's fine. Doesn't mean yeah. that all health professionals are rubbish. It means that that one wasn't a good fit for you and you have to go and try someone else because there are people out there that are really well qualified and really do care and keep you safe and, and give you, you know, the, the, the right advice, which isn't always pretty as well. Um, Christine, what about you? You've mentioned, mm. Christine, what's your self-care? What does your well look like? <laughs> Oh, a lot of things depends on the day doesn't it um I think it's really funny I've been thinking about it lately and like my work I do I talk about a lot of encouraging people to do mental health and well-being and everything and I like to think of us humans as a car so a car needs fuel so like we I, I know I need good food and if I don't eat good food good food good mood I'm a big believer in that um a car also needs like its wheels pumped so that might be like your exercise but it needs oil that's like you know what we what we drink um and there's some days you can fix your car yourself you might be able to change a tire but every so often you need to get like 
your insurance and that could be your health insurance and your health insurance might pay for your um your counseling and things like that and i've benefited from that and then we have to get the rego we have to get a check-in so i think i not i was going to say identify as a car i don't identify as a car <laughs> i'm christine but i just think we <laughs> but i think yeah we just need those like you can maintain a car yourself but every so often we know we need to go to the mechanic and the mechanic is kind of like a counselor or maybe like a psychologist in ways because we've all gone to mechanic and we're like no 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 i'm not going back to them and we've gone down the road to another mechanic and we really like them and we'll go back and we know do you know they've got good reviews on google because you're going to like search them and um, they mightn't have theories and um science-based approach behind the mechanic but there's you're doing your research so yeah that's me but yeah i'm need to get up in the gym in the mornings and i have to have a good breakfast and but yeah we all have our ups and downs but then some days my car decides it's not going to work it's going to have a bad day but i just go into the mechanic and we're all good again i'm so glad i asked you that question that was such a good answer yeah <laughs> it's a great analogy you're welcome it's i really love good. analogies um do we have any questions from anyone in a quiet one tonight <laughs> you might escape rushing <laughs> um so social media seems to be wow this is a long question um social media seems to be an incredible complex tool i'm aware that i'm unconsciously absorbing information which may not be explicit in its messaging how can we apply our own filter and self-talk to what we are seeing on social media so that we can say to ourselves i don't need to buy that i don't need to do that but that's not for me if anybody finds out the answer to that please let me know because i really <laughs> influenced by what i see online and buying stuff i don't need <laughs> um my only advice is curate your content what are you seeing what are you absorbing like you know is there people that you trust that have good intentions and um are knowledgeable in what they're doing and you know maybe there's some people that you need to mute because maybe they are adding to the overwhelm maybe making you feel like you're not self-caring well enough and you're not up to scratch when it comes to that so that's what I find helpful is to just actually go through and have a bit of a call and be conscious of that I've really really reduced my social media use over the last few years and for me that's been incredibly helpful as well yeah I think also yeah knowing mm -hmm. why you're using social media or sitting on it do you know <laughs> we all want to buy the latest bit of fashion or anything like that but mama was I think was like can you sit on it for 24 hours do you know can you wait um and I think yeah social media is such a quick fix because back in the day you had to wait till you got to go to Dublin for the day or whereas now it's so quick mm -hmm. online I think we just need to be patient sometimes and it is it is addictive you know there's, there's people talk about digital drugs now you know we're still mm. getting that dopamine release in our brain we left our phone it's a distraction um I work part-time in um sort of group recovery for people overcoming like different we call them behaviors of concern most people are there for alcohol and other drugs um gambling things like that but 
we're actually seeing people now coming because their phone use has become problematic. It's causing serious issues in their relationships and their um jobs and their studies and people forget that and they think well it's it's only a phone but it's what's it doing inside your brain that's starting to release that and if we if you pause and think am I in a good mood is this going to add to my good mood or is this going to make me feel worse before you go on yeah yeah for sure I think it was I think it was last last weekend there two people got killed in a car crash and the guy was watching um he was he was watching some sitcom on on a, while he was driving do you know like so mm. it can be addictive you know yeah. and there's outcomes yeah. as well like you know but um i think probably it's targeted towards women a lot more when selling stuff i definitely i don't buy a whole lot of stuff off social media or anything like that but messaging or anything like that but uh um but it can it can make me sometimes fear of missing out stuff so definitely mm. you know um that kind of stuff where I think, okay, I'm in on a Saturday night and it's 10 o'clock. Maybe I should be out in Cheers Bar or Scruffy Murphy's and dancing or something. But so, yeah, you do that and then you're like, fuck, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I like getting up on a Sunday morning and nothing, you know, and, and then actually having the freedom and- to do stuff. So. If you go out on Saturday night to Scruffy Murphy's because you had FOMO and then you wake up on Sunday morning and everyone else has been up at the beach watching a sunrise and you get FOMO then too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, you can't win. Um, <laughs> any other questions? I'll give it another minute. There's one in the chat there, Christine. Oh my god, there's a load. <laughs> I was gonna start humming to myself. I won't do that. Um with the rise of social media, the online world and working from home, a lot of people have lost their human connection and friendships deterioration. Um, friendship and connection, I suppose, is so important for our health. How can we find that sense of connection again if we feel we've lost it? Alan? Um, yeah, I think it's just getting out and, and trying to, like, I'm very lucky where I am. Uh, obviously, we have the safe space in Summer Hill, but in that space alone, there's so many different other groups there. And um, because I volunteer in that space, I get sucked into going to these things that I probably wouldn't normally do, like sound meditation and yoga and, and pilates and bloody stuff at six like just because you want when they start stuff up you want to support them and and mm-hmm. because they support us kind of stuff so um like last year they um so the the foundation that runs uh the the little big house where we have the safe space they have done a research study last year on loneliness in uh predominantly in the flour mills where they're based but also in the surrounding area and then they did another one about two or three weeks ago. And in the last 12 months, the amount of connection that I've had just by volunteering and being part of that community alone, um, like my questions and like, I didn't know anybody that lived in my block last year. And I, it's like, I'm stuck. Talk, I'm talking to people all the whole time when I, when I go to the shop now or I go to the coffee shop or, um, yeah, it's just, uh, 
yeah, for me, it's been it's it's been a game changer. And I didn't it didn't happen like I didn't think it was happening until I actually answered these questions. And you kind of go, oh, geez, I do know a lot of people now. I am mm-hmm. having a lot of connections. So volunteering is a great a great way to do it. If it's if it is that face to face stuff, uh, and yeah, so that's really helped. I'd second that as well. Like I work from home most of the time. Like sometimes I'm in person, but it is quite isolating you know there's days where you might not see anybody um so for me like I got involved with Alan's um safe space things like that you know just getting out of the house and chatting to people other volunteers people coming into this the the pop-up is so helpful for you and you're you're improving your well-being by doing it and it's like a it's a you're not having to go into a big group and be like introducing yourself and stuff it's just a really just going into a centre and like any sort of venue and sitting down having a chat. I also think um there's so many groups now which is so positive coming out of the pandemic. Like there's the how's your head, how's the head on Saturday morning. There's even the 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 ice bath things like that. As we said, like just even the sense of connection from those things are really impactful for mental health. So if you're using that to make make friends, meet people, like. Whenever I first came to Sydney, it was kind of like if you weren't into the GAA, there was nothing like and I was not into the GAA. So I found like there wasn't really much else if you weren't sporty. But there's so many options now for people like that can go out and, you know, the sunrise socials, you literally just sit and watch the sunrise or uh, Sydney social um, groups. Um, those those groups like there's most people that go to those are going on their own like they are people with the same sort of experience as you they just maybe want to get out of their circle meet a few people um so just you know contacting those giving them a go you know if you don't like it you don't have to go back there's no pressure um I also find getting a dog very helpful but not (laughs) dogs are expensive but I just find that like totally like no people like everyone on my floor has a dog I don't know the per- the owner's names but I know the dog's names and like that you see them the same time every day and that just makes me feel a wee bit more connected to my community as well so even if you don't have a dog maybe just go to the dog park and play with them yeah 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 and I think yeah volunteering is yeah is a great way to meet new people um it's even simple things of maybe going doing your food shop in person and not online like um or another amazing tool i've seen there recently is the libraries because some people have gone very off social media and a lot of those connection groups are on instagram because i've where i work we do like community engagement and we were wanting a lot of people to you know connect with some of them groups that are all in the eastern suburbs and like all across sydney like and but a lot of my clientele is like, no, I don't want to be on social media. I'm like, oh, crap. How are you going to get to these groups then? But I went to the library in Maroubra and they were like, oh, yeah, here's a list. I was like, wow, that's a big, big list. And there's anything from knitting groups to like walking, like gaming, chess, like everything. There's there's something there for everyone. But I think, yeah, it's getting yourself out there. But be it going for a coffee, going for... um. Yeah, the local library or looking at social media now and then for those support groups is a good thing. Um, but yeah. Anything else, anyone? Or is that it? We have to get you both ready for your bedtime routines. <laughs> 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 I 
I wouldn't want to be in trouble. Um, well, thank you both for joining tonight. Um, and thank you to everyone that joined. As always, these will have been recorded and they will be up on our YouTube and our Spotify account soon. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen and everyone. And good night. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we hope that you enjoyed the episode. Please don't forget to rate and review so more people can find us. Until next month.